everyone, and welcome to ESIP's Global Economy Podcast. My name is Renata Sili, a researcher at the European Center for International Political Economy and the host of this very important conversation that we're going to have today about the relation between the European Union and Mexico. This episode is a recording of a recent webinar that you can certainly watch on ESIP's YouTube channel. There is certainly a unique dimension to the relationship between the EU and Mexico, and it's very timely that we're having this discussion today. The global economy is transitioning into a new production stage accelerated by the development of new technologies. These changes are already impacting our consumption patterns and the way we conduct business. At the same time, the world is facing numerous challenges such as the need to take stronger action to mitigate the effects of climate change. The war in Ukraine and a rising conflict in the Middle East might stress even more global production chains and procurement systems that have been attempting to recover from the COVID-19 years. And of course, a question that needs to be further explored is the human aspect of it, that is the extent to which these changes will shape our social systems. All these events are also connected to a broader changing geopolitical landscape that's shaping new alliances with enormous implications for our international governance. And here at ESIP, we're particularly interested in how these developments will impact global trade and the rules-based system. The EU and Mexico, both G20 economies, are also entangled in this dynamic, and they're asking themselves similar questions on how to navigate a world in turbulence while looking ahead into the future. Mexico and the European Union have a long history of economic and political relations that have evolved towards creating a robust institutional framework based on similar values. Mexico is one of the 10 strategic partners of the EU, and the EU is the second largest investor in Mexico and the third trade partner after the US and China. The economic and political relations between the EU and Mexico are conducted through the Global Agreement, which entered into force more than 20 years ago and is currently being modernized. And yet, despite the long history of an evolving relationship, there's a sense that there are still some domains where we haven't gotten to know each other profoundly, which has limited our mutual understanding. To grasp this very complex but fascinating topic, it is my pleasure to introduce our guest, His Excellency Mr. Rogelio Granguilom, Ambassador of Mexico to the Kingdom of Belgium, the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg, and Head of the Mission to, of Mexico to the European Union. So I think I can start, Ambassador, uh, our conversation as a, and as an introduction to our as, audience asking you this question. How can we understand the relation between Mexico and the EU and its evolution over the years and where are we here today? And, and let me bring some context. In the past month, we have seen a renewed interest in the EU for Mexico and Latin America. President von der Leyen visited Mexico earlier this year, 11 years after the last visit of a president of the EU Commission. Also, up to this moment, the High Representative Joseph Borrell has also visited the region on four occasions. And we could say that certainly there are some recent developments that explain this rapprochement. The war in Ukraine has revealed Europe's critical dependencies for energy and raw materials. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Russia's invasion of Ukraine strengthened, strengthened an already idea in the making of the importance of the for the EU as an autonomous strategic geopolitical entity. And based on this new sense of purpose in which Europe is in need of friends, renewing ties with Latin American countries seems like a great starting point. It seems that there's a genuine interest from the EU to Mexico, but I also like to ask you, Ambassador, is Mexico on the same page? Because Mexico has undergone substantial changes too in its domestic political landscape and economic landscape in the past years. How does Mexico see the EU at this particular moment? Uh, I thank you very much, Renata. And uh, let me start by, by thanking the European Center for International Political Economy for this uh, very, very kind invitation. And, and I thank you, uh, Renata, for organizing the, the, the event and, and, and for sharing, sharing with me this, this panel. Let me start uh, by saying that in, in 1997, Mexico was the first country in, in Latin America to sign a comprehensive uh, agreement with the European Union. I refer to the 
to the global agreement which entered into force in 2000. And uh, um, talking on this instrument that uh, governs currently our relations, and that includes uh, not only trade and investment, I mean, not only uh, a free trade zone, but political dialogue and different areas of cooperation. The global agreement between Mexico and the EU represented, uh, I would like to, to highlight on this, a milestone in bilateral relations. And I, and, and I would say that a milestone for the European Union foreign policy. The institutional structure established by the global agreement in 2000 has proven, in my point of view, to be a solid foundation which allows substantial progress in the scope and depth of bilateral relations and which has constituted the Mexico-EU bilateral relationship as one of our most institutionalized relations. This is, this is very important, Renata, and I would like to underline, uh, as a part of the institutional strengthening derived from the global agreement on 2009, the European Parliament issued its favorable opinion on the proposal of the Mexico and the European Union leaders to establish and strategic partnership, which is this category that the, the EU shares with nine other countries, including Brazil, Canada, China, India, Japan, the Republic of Korea, Russia, South Africa, and the United States. I, I, I think that um, uh, in order to, 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 to respond to your question, it is, it is important to, to, to check to talk about the, the bilateral relations we have and the relevance of the bilateral relations we, we have between Mexico and the European Union. And I would like to, to say that we have with the European Union one of the largest bilateral relations in the world. We have with the EU the second largest bilateral relations in terms of the agenda. We maintain permanently an agenda for more than 100 topics. What I'm, what I'm trying to, 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 to say with this is that every single day we here in Brussels, in our mission, deal with more than 100 topics that conform the bilateral relationship between the Mexico, between Mexico and the European Union. We deal with a wide spectrum of issues on political, on trade, on investment, on cooperation, on science and technology, on health, on space and, and many etc. On parliamentarian issues, for example, Renata, we have the most active and large relation. I mean, Mexico has and the Mexican government, the Mexican Congress has the most active and large relation with the European Parliament, with any parliament in the world. We have, for instance, a series of 12 institutionalized dialogue, which means meetings between ministers and deputy ministers systematically with agendas on trade, on investment, on health, on, it, on, on the most relevant issues for the bilateral relations. I will say, as a matter of example, that one of the most active uh, dialogue we have with the European Union is the one related with macroeconomic and fiscal issues conducted by by the Mexican side, by the Ministry of Finance. To these 12 institutional dialogues, we are trying now to add uh, one more like, on the on cultural, on cultural issue. Now, uh, let's talk 
if you allow me a, uh, a little bit on trade. Regarding bilateral trade, I would like to say this, that, that we, we, we talk uh, on a story as one of success. Trade, bilateral trade between Mexico and the European Union has grown by more than 300% since the entry into force of the global agreement since 2000. And, uh, and let me share uh, with you uh, some that. EU is, is Mexico's third largest trading partner, only after United States and China, and accounts for 7.8% of the country's total trade. In 2022, the bilateral trade between Mexico and the EU was for uh, a little bit more on, 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 uh, on $81 billion, representing an increase of 13% compared to the year registered in 2021. It is, it is very important for me to highlight at this point, uh, Renata, that the bilateral trade has been, has been growing during the last four years, an average for more than 9 and 10%. This performance represents, this figure represents the largest commercial exchange in the history of the bilateral relationship, exceeding by 10% the maximum reached previously, which was in 2018, for $73.7 billion, billion. The figures uh, related to investments are, are, are very, very, interesting, very interesting as well. 25% of the foreign investment that Mexico received between 1999 and 22 came from the European Union. So we are talking that one-third of the global investment in Mexico comes from the EU 27. And yes, the European Union is the second largest investor in our country. Among the 10 countries that have invested the most in Mexico for the last 20 years, six are Europe. In Mexico, we have, you know, Renata very well as Mexican, I would like to say, and we have in Mexico many, many European companies uh, doing, doing business. Actually, more than 19 companies with capital on the European Union are working in Mexico, in particular concentrated in the sectors like automotive, aerospace, pharma, health, and beverage. Notwithstanding this impressive feat, it's also true that the global agreement that we have since 2000 and has started to show its age. It was negotiated with economic, industrial, and technological conditions quite different from those we have nowadays. So for that reason, in 2014, Mexico and the EU agreed an update of the agreement was needed. So the result of this, after several rounds of negotiation, is the modernized Mexico-EU global agreement with which we will establish a more beneficial framework fully consistent with the respective recent developments of our societies and economies, as well as the global, the, the global economic trend. Now, I very briefly like to close uh, this first intervention to, 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 to mention uh, something regarding the, the modernized global agreement and what is the current condition of this, of this issue. Due to the delay in the signing of the agreement since the negotiations was concluded, it has become necessary to review the agreed text to see how it 
conforms with Mexico's changes to its in particular energy rules and regulations, and very specifically with electricity laws. So Mexico is working uh, on a proposal for this. We are trying to have a solution of this pending issue within the following months in order to sign the text as soon as, soon as possible. We have a, a chapter in the global agreement, which is the chapter uh, related to energy, that as I made shown before, we would like to, 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 to review, we like to adjust to the uh, current conditions of our energy policy, particularly the electricity policy and the current rules and regulations on, on this on this particular on this particular sector. You remember and you mentioned uh, Renata that uh, Mrs. von der Leyen visited Mexico in June. Uh, you remember she met President Lopez Obrador in 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 the Palacio Nacional and they were discussing on the perspectives for the for the modernized global agreement. On that occasion in June, they decided to continue working on this issue in order to sign the agreement on December this year. President Lopez Obrador has invited to Frau von der Leyen to visit Mexico City, to visit Mexico, pardon, to visit Me Mexico, but not Mexico City, to visit Cancun, because President Lopez Obrador has invited to Mrs. von der Leyen to visit Cancun to sign the agreement up to accompany him to inaugurate the Tren Maya, which is one of the both important and emblematic infrastructure projects we have in Mexico uh, at, this, at this time. So we, the Mexican government, the Foreign Office, the mission here in Brussels, the European Commission, and the trade in particular, we are working very hard in order to make possible to conclude. I don't know if we will be able to sign the agreement in December, because we're talking about six, seven weeks time, but at least to conclude uh, negotiations in order to uh, be able to sign the agreement at the beginning, the beginning of 2034. Thank you, Ambassador, for, for your remarks. Uh, certainly, December is right on the corner, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned uh, and you, you shared with us some insights on how the process this process is going of the modernization, which is substantial for the uh, updating conditions that you mentioned uh, of this vast agenda that covers more than 100 topics. Uh, certainly, trade and investments are the most important once and uh, and indeed there are important projects taking place in Mexico you mentioned uh, the Trenaya, but also the transismic it would be very important as well to look at at, at what's happening in Mexico and as a, as a bridge between uh, uh, the past the Pacific and how we plan to in to connect both oceans through this uh, railway network and uh, but certainly, as you mentioned, uh, um, in the recent years, uh, Mexico political landscape also made some changes that will impact other uh, or institutional framework and multilateral agreements. And energy is certainly one of the tipping points, uh, or, or where most of the, let's say, different interpretations agreements are it's it's kind of the um, uh, the the most difficult issue to to for to which uh, in which all parties have to can agree and one example is how for instance that can give us a clue and i'm i'm, I'm telling this to the audience if they're interested in, in getting to know what's going on with the, the energy and the electric electricity landscape in mexico we should look at Mexico's relation with the, U, the, the, UN, the United States, which is, this is one issue on, 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 on current dispute. And uh, that could also give us an idea on how this, how Mexico is viewing uh, this, this process and how it might look not for how Mexico's relations to the world will look like in the following years, or at least what's Mexican perspective on this topic. 
I also, but I also want to ask you that you touched a very important issue about investment and which is, will be crucial for the projects you already mentioned. The, in the EU, like the, the top investors um, in, uh, in Mexico, Spain, Germany, Netherlands, and France. However, almost 50% of this investment uh, comes from Spain. But the European Union has 27 members. And um, I, I want you to ask you, and I think this is the perfect uh, place to do it. How do you think, it's, it's, it's a great thing if Spanish investment comes to Mexico, especially now that uh, on the Spanish presidency of the council, they could be they use as a springboard to put Latin America and Mexico on the agenda. But uh, how can we jump this fence? And, and how can we venture to meet with other member states? How can Mexico bring the EU, EU to look more at us? And for instance, and today, Mexico's GDP is larger than that of Australia or Spain. And that's because of Mexican economy has taken a transformative turn in the last decade. How can we convey the opportunities the Mexico has to offer, not just for traditional partners, but the, the other 26 member, member states? And now that there are talks about European enlargement, I don't want to go into that road, but it's important to understand that these are only opportunities. How can we convey what Mexico has to offer? Thank you, Renata, for, for putting this question on the table, uh, which is really extremely relevant for uh, extremely relevant for Mexico, for the European Union, for the bilateral relations. But the European Union as a whole, as as you mentioned, no, not not only the traditional, uh, our traditional partners in in, in in Europe. You see, Renata, I'm I'm personally convinced that that we need to go deeply on a new discussion on the opportunities Mexico is offering to the European Union vis-a-vis not only our geographical condition but vis-a-vis -vis the net of trade agreements we have, of course, including the USMCA. But beyond that, the Mexico's performance in global value chains, the advantage, the advantages Mexico offers to the European Union and other partners has been in widely described and discussed in many instances during the last 20 years. I've been involved personally in many discussions regarding the opportunities Mexico is offering within the framework of the global trade agreements we have. And, and you know, Renata, there are so many, many studies, many, many, lots of research on, on, on. I mean, this, it is relevant to review concepts and conditions to update the opportunities Mexico offers, not only for trade and investment to European Union, but the opportunities Mexico offers to the efficiency and competitiveness of the European industry in the current industrial and technological context. Let me elaborate a little bit on this. Mexico's geographical position is extremely privileged and this allows us to have links to North America, to Latin America, as well as to Europe and the Asia Pacific region. A geographical location together with our territorial extension and vast natural and critical material our population, our technological capabilities, give to the EU opportunities that few other countries offer. First, obviously we are neighbors, the United States. We decided to be part of the North American Economic Bloc, first to NAFTA, and now with the USMC. It is a fact 
are the United States, our largest trading partner. More than 80% of our trade, global trade, is with United States. But not only United States, it's our, it's our largest trading partner. Mexico is theirs as well. Let me highlight on this. Mexico became the first trade partner for the United States this year. And this is the result, of course, it has to do with the USMCA and its contribution to the competitiveness of the Mexican economy. Last year, Mexico trained to the US for more than $850 billion. 17.7 billion dollars per week. And if you allow me to say it on this, 2.5 billion dollars per day. That's our trade with the United States. Nobody has in the world. This amazing figure talks about many things. To me, the most important opportunities for the European industry. Not to, not to do business, not to export, not to invest, not to trade. Opportunities to strengthen efficiency, competitiveness of the European industry, taking into account the performance our economy has on the global value chain. Latin America. As a part of Latin America, Mexico shares strong cultural, you know, social, historical ties with all the countries in the region. In South America, the Pacific Alliance, a free trade zone with Chile, Colombia, Peru, and Mexico, and doing, we're doing very well. We, four countries, account for 50% of trade of the region and 41% of the total investment attracted by Latin America. La Iglesia Pacific. In December 2012, Mexico sought to extend its economic ties beyond, beyond Japan, our only free trade agreement in the region at that moment, and decided to join the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the TPP negotiations, which culminated, as you all know, in the CPTPP in March 2018. With this agreement, Mexico obtain immediate duty-free access to 90% of the CPTPP markets and gain preferential access to six new markets in the Asia-Pacific region. One last point of this, Renata, if you allow me. You mentioned the idea of Mexico as, uh, as a bridge between Europe and Latin America. And I believe that in the future, and particularly its company, industry, will realize the value that Mexico can offer with its trade relationship with the United States, especially now in the context of talks between the European Union and the Eurasians, such as critical raw materials, and access to European companies. We have access to the, US, to the US market, and European companies could have it too if they are based in the country. They will benefit immensely from the characteristics of our economy, such as our highly skilled and relatively young labor force. And ultimately, this will contribute to strengthen the European Union strategic autonomy, which is, which is the political stand of the, of the, of the EU-27 at this point of time. Mexico is now already a bridge between the EU and the United States in some sectors. For the car industry, for example, and could be more visible on electromobility, semiconductors and battery, which are sectors in, in, in which we are working, working very hard, with the European Union, with the Commission, to strengthen investment flows in Mexico on, 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 on these three particular things. 
Yes, uh, thank you, Ambassador. And I'm glad you brought these two issues. And, and there's a metaphor of the bridge of Mexico connecting North America and Latin America. And this is something that we have basic by nature, no? the, the, our place in the world. And I, I want to get back to you as well with the importance of um, the how Mexico has connected to global value change, but also regional value change that the, the, the numbers and the figures that account uh, or trade with the United States, they, they, they are the result of uh, more than 20 years of, of deeper and deeper integration with privileged access with, and as you clearly mentioned something that in Mexico is, 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 is big, big news, knowing that this was unthinkable 20 years ago of, of, or that Mexico was going to become the, the top trade partner of, the, of one of the largest, the largest economy in the world. And we have successfully managed to do that. And the role of Europe, it's very important as well in, 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 this, in, in this tale. In fact, well, we have here, as there's some research at East Side, and according to research, we have, real, we have found that in the European Union accounts for 12% of the value added of Mexican exports to the United States. Mm -hmm. And in the automotive sector that you, you mentioned that there's potential opportunities over there, accounts, the EU accounts for 15% of the value added of Mexican exports to the United States. So it is clearly present and integrated in this value change and the change, change and this is clearly in, in a very timely moment because as we started, at the, at the, as we mentioned at the start of the conversation, the forces that are shaping globalization are moving towards the idea to have shorter supply chains, risk-free supply chains, or resilient supply chains. And we, we'll, we might disagree on the adjective, but the material aspect is that U.S. firms, in, case, in, that, in the Western Hemisphere, by different incentives, fiscal incentives, other like the other other uh, geographical incentives are relocating some of the production from China uh, to to Western Hemisphere, and in Mexico it's strategically located to see the largest gains of this process. And but it is important to caveat though that you is also engaging in this dynamic and reassuring might means different things here than in Mexico. But when in Mexico we hear reassuring, we think that they are calling to ourselves. They're calling our names. I see here, um, and I want to ask you about the political aspect of this tale. It, I see there's a two tales, and a two story, a paradox. One side of the paradox is the Mexican story of a country within Latin America, but on the other side is the Mexican story as a country within North America, and we're pushing to, towards that idea, and we have, and we, we, we like to praise that our position, our geographical position, are also our institutional position as a, as a member of, of North America. But one side of the paradox is that, and that brings this part to the EU, how Mexico um, brings these two tales to the EU. On the one hand, it has to show muscle as a dominant actor in Latin America, but that doesn't come easy. For example, Brazil is a far larger partner to the EU. It has long history of leadership of the multi in multilateral fora, and it's often seen as the, the voice of Latin America or even the global south, the so-called global south. And when Europe thinks of trade with Latin America, maybe they think of Brazil, Mercosur in their agenda first. But the, the other side of the paradox, as I was saying, Mexico wants to differentiate itself from the rest of countries in Latin America. We, 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 we like to say we're integrated. Like, look at us, we're integrated to the, the, to the North American market. And of course, and unlike many other uh, countries in the region, which are commodity-oriented, export commodity-oriented, Mexico is a big export of manufacturers, and we already mentioned this. So my question is, at the political level, Mr. Ambassador, how does Mexico deal with this paradox to the EU? Or perhaps you see it differently, and it's not a paradox, but a feature. And either way, the fact is that there are these two stories in display, and how does Mexico navigate with these two tales to the EU? And thank you, thank you, Renata. What we try to, to explain, but not only to explain, but to confirm and to prove to for friends in the, the European Union, the, the Commission particularly, is that Mexico has 
a strong capacity to deal with different actors in the in the in the global in the global arena. The the most efficient instruments to take advantage of our own relations with the most important most important actors in the global in the global arena. We belong to the to the Latin American region. We, we share historical, cultural, you name it, values, and in terms of economic structure, economic formation, are part of North America, in particular, the most powerful economic, uh, economic growth in terms of integration. What we are trying every, every single day to a message to to the European Union is the relevance for them to aim more in this more in this part of the world. I mean, it it is it is it's, it's, it's something related not only with or the Mexican opportunities, but with European opportunity. We read in 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 every single newspaper. On, on this this idea of of, of strategic autonomy and and, and 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 you know this concept better better than I, when the strategic autonomy passed to my very personal and contribute pass, or the need to do more with Mexico to do more with 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 Mexicans, we Mexico offered to the European Union, something that you do, it is it is very complicated that you find in any in any other actor. First, market. Second, market and third, the market. That's 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 the most important option we have for them. If you need to be efficient and, and competitive in the global the current global condition in a specific sectors, electromobility. The car industry, aerospace, batteries, solar panel constructions, and need to invest in Mexico. Why? Because we have, with the United States, in the northern part of the country, the most efficient and complete value change on these four sectors. And that's it. And that's it. Somewhere. European companies understand very well on this issue. And they have understood very well this issue. You name it. Volkswagen, with the second largest company in, 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 in Puebla in the world, uh, Daimler, Audi, BMW, all the OEMs in, in, in Europe. So that's my, that's my response, uh, Renata. And that's why that's my job. That, that's my business to convince European Union to do to do more with Mexico in terms of competitiveness and efficiency to our convenience too. Why? Because we are looking for to strain as well our efficiency, industrial, the competitiveness of our industrial process. And for that, we need industrial companies. We need industrial European but, Union. Trade uh, brings mutual gain. And this has been clearly demonstrated empirically over the years and and, and by, by different accounts. Well, and I'm, I'm happy to have you here as well and, and provide uh, all these fascinating stories and su the success story of Mexico that sometimes is not as loud. And um, but I'm I now that I will have you here. Uh, we already mentioned that uh, President von der Leyen has visited uh, President López Obrador. But also, it, it, last summer, Mexican Councillor uh, Alicia Barcena was here in Brussels for the EU Select meeting, and you were with her, and you were in this meeting. And I am sure that most of our, in our audience would be very interested to know, like insights about this this meeting that took place over after eight years of hiatus. And this is perhaps Mexico playing more the role in as a part of Latin America. And uh, I, I, I will really appreciate, I don't know when we will have a discussion uh, with you again, so I, I would like to 
to squeeze all the information I can I can get from your insights on this of this uh, this meeting, and um, as well, of course, you can put us in context. And but clearly, if you can narrate to Mexico's role during that 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 uh, that that summit and uh, what were its key interests. Well, uh, in terms of uh, of of instruments and the global agreement, Renata, it is, it is, it is very simple. We, 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 we have main priority at this time is to conclude the modernized global agreement and to make an announcement in December during, during uh, the visit of uh, Mrs. von der Leyen in, in Mexico. But let me respond to your question uh, on, 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 this, uh, on this way. What do we have nowadays with the European Union is a very advanced level of dialogue or level of political dialogue. The main, the main topics on, on our agenda are related to uh, electromobility, solar panels, batteries, critical raw materials, infrastructure, connectivity, maritime corridors from uh, Veracruz to, to, to Portugal, investment in infrastructure, ports, airports, uh, rail, railroads. That's the kind, that's the sort of dialogue we have with the European, with the, with the, with the high-ranking authorities. That's the political dialogue we have with them. President Lopez Obrador and Mrs. von der Leyen spent Renata more than two hours in Palacio Nacional in Mexico City talking on Plan Sonora means electromobility, batteries, lithium, solar panels, talking for more than two hours or on Corredor Interoceanico, which is this T-Mobile project which connects the Pacific with the Gulf of Mexico in the port of Coatzacoalcos and Salina Cruz in the Pacific in Oaxaca. And uh, the concept of the dialogue, it, it, it is really, really advanced. Uh, I don't know if any other country at the, at the global south talk with the European Union at this level. I really don't know. But the quality of the dialogue we have reflects the strong, the strong uh, capacity of, of the Mexican economy and the Mexican industry and the way we would like, we want to interact in the future with the European, with the European Union. We hope, because I am, I am, I am optimist uh, by nature, we hope that we will conclude the agreement, the global modernized agreement in, uh, in, uh, by December. Uh, we will have Falfon de Lion in, in Cancun inaugurating with my president, the Tren Maya, and we will have some announcement on financial resources, mobility of investment, uh, scientific cooperation, uh, technological cooperation, innovation on these three very key issues, electromobility, batteries, and semiconductors. Yeah, indeed. It, it, it definitely, you mentioned how our relationship has grown and strengthened. It has grown over 300% of the trade. It has increased in the, since we first signed our, uh, or, or, or the global agreement. And for sure, it needs to be modernized to enhance all these opportunities you are conveying to, to, to us right now. And we're almost uh, running out of time. And But we, I want to move to the last section of the conversation. You and I both have an IR background, and I would like to, like, semiconductors are like, the, uh, it's, it's a nanoscale, but I want to take the nanoscale to the geopolitical macro scale and how this also fits into what's going on and the future of multilateral trade. For instance, um, uh, in the, let's put that, the, the EU SELAC and Global Gateway also in context with these times. The one critique of this of this of this moment that you come. This, this is my opinion. It's not you. Your say. I, this this is me. All the responsibility falls on me. It means is that the EU comes to Latin America a bit late. You know, uh, with uh, and at least the other countries because there are other actors such as China and the US that have taken a prominent role in the region. And uh, 
Europe is branding the Global Gateway Investment Strategy as a counterbalance China's Belt and Road Initiative. And I'm, I'm not sure this is their right approach to sell this idea. It's okay to sell this idea, but I'm, I'm just curious about the branding, if that's going to uh, resonate in Latin American countries. And um, because I think that the reality is that these countries are not so much interested with health funding, but that this funding comes real and according to the development needs. And there are plenty of cities in the region, it seems that the political space might be a bit squeezed in this moment. Everyone looking at us, yay. Um, um, but it seems that if, how would countries actually navigate at this moment, especially when not only, as I said, China, but also Russia, there are other actors with clashes, very like different clashes and important clashes between themselves, maybe irreconcilable ways of looking at the world and looking at the multilateral trade system, looking at our social system, political systems. So I will save the last, the most difficult conversation for the last, for, the, for this, this at the end to end our conversation and I'm being provocative. Um, Mexico and the EU praise their close team values and both their strong democracy and support of multilateralism. But there is a the concern that these trade winds that I mentioned earlier might turn into storm. The world guys tells us that there are multiple isolationist impulses on both sides of the Atlantic and, and uh, the elephant in the room as well is the 2024, which is elections in Europe, in Mexico, and in the United States. So the, when I said the elephant in the room is a literal elephant, um, so I'm very interested in understanding if Mexico and the EU are allies in this crusade, how, how this, we can use this relation to strengthen the multilateral and liberal traits. Yes, yes, I, I, um, you see, it is, it is something that, 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 that we work with the, with the European Union every, every, every day. We are convinced in, in, in Mexico that uh, to do more on the bilateral relations with, with, with the European Union and there, that there is uh, a great scope for uh, more, uh, more benefits, uh, reciprocal for more, more, more benefits. And uh, I personally, I convinced that uh, the best way to be to be ready to, to compete in, in, in the new condition, the new global condition of, of the marketing in, in, in some sectors is, is to, to be very close, very close to each other. We have with the European Union a very strong, I would say a really very strong trade and investment relation. We have a very strong political dialogue. We have the most advanced instruments related to science and technological cooperation. And we share the same values in terms of democracy, political issues, human rights, you name it. We have everything to work together to, to be prepared to, to, to compete in coming in coming years on in, in which sectors those that I mentioned before which will they will mark will mark the, the international economic relations of the world electromobility uncertain climate change sustainability of every single industrial process and the new a new approach to the uh, multilateral trade trade system in which the most important actors compete. Of course, there is, uh, that's, that's the way to do, but at the same time, benefit from the just and legal uh, competition. That's, 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 my, that's my view. The day before yesterday, Renata, on, on Monday, the World Bank issue, with the, along with the UNTA, uh, the new figures regarding the, 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 the uh, foreign investment uh, data for developing countries. Mexico is nowadays 
the number four world recipient of foreign investment, ahead of China and ahead of India. The first semester of this year, we received or more than 29 billion US dollars, and we will close this year with almost 60, 62 billion. I don't know if the European Union has arrived to Latin America with some delay. In the case of Mexico, for sure, no, because 30% of that investment coming from this, from this, from, from, from the European countries. And as I mentioned before, we have in Mexico more than 19 companies doing business, capital, European, European capitals. So in any case, the, 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 the political will of Mexico is continue working very close to the European Union, to continue fostering our strategic relation, and to contribute each other at the same time with the efficiency and competitiveness of our respective industrial process and the efficiency and competitiveness of our respective economies. Thank you, um, Sir Ambassador. Clearly, you have given us the, the most important aspect of our conversation and, uh, in this final section of, as well in, the, com um, for, uh, in the, the, the whole conversation in which um, you can, we can summarize it as the importance of these two big, big partners as, as to both in working together, our allies, and they are crucial for each other's renovative competitiveness, and, they, and that they are also partners of choice because they are also aligned in values. Uh, this is not me saying, Joseph Borrell has clearly mentioned and named, coined the relationship in that regard because we are not bounded by the laws of proximity or geography. We're bounded by, because we see the world in similar terms and I think there are much, there are many things to gain for strengthening or or ties, political ties, cultural ties, economic, and one of the first ways to do it is to to start a conversation such as the, the conversation we had here today. And just if you want to say any any last remark, just uh, feel free to do so. Otherwise, I will end. No, the thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Renata. Uh, uh, just to to express us my my complete. This position to to be close to you, to be close to the European Center for International Political Economy. Whatever information, whatever discussion, whatever any, whatever I can I can do and share with with you, with the audience, uh, Renata, in the in the best in the best disposition. Muchas gracias por la por la conversación y gracias a todos por acompañarnos. Muchas gracias, embajador, también, y gracias a todos, Carmen, por escucharnos. Thanks, everyone, for being here today. Thank you.